creating and rekindling memories. NHR. Um, very good morning and welcome to TSKF Castle on Nottingham Hospital Radio. Now then, we are talking about the early years of hospital radio. Radio Marsden, there's a book out all about it. Uh, so you can find out uh, all about Radio Marsden. Uh, it's available from Amazon, paperback $7.99 and Kindle edition at $2.99. And the gentleman who's responsible for that and for Radio Marsden, I'm very pleased to say, is on the, on, on the other end of this phone. Good morning, David. Good morning, Kev, and to all your listeners, and uh, thanks for having me on. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Uh, and, and I'm so pleased that you enjoyed the disturbed sound of silence, because that is an amazing version of that song, isn't it? Absolutely, and I happened to watch The Graduate on the TV a week or so ago, and uh, I think that's my favourite film, actually. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a brilliant film. It's a great coming-of-age film um, as well. And I've seen it on stage, and it works really well on stage as well. Uh, so, yeah, something to watch out for in the future. Hopefully they'll do it again. Anyway, we're not talking yeah. about that. We're talking about this book. Um, so, first of all, before we do talk about the book, who or what made you want to get into radio? That's a very good uh, question. Um, certainly, radio, uh, the start of Radio 1, I think, I was always very keen uh, listening to the, uh, uh, the early days of Tony Blackburn and the rest, but uh, it basically came by accident. When I was a child, my hobby was uh, model railways, and when I was about 14 or 13, we moved home and my parents said there was no room for the railway anymore, but uh, offered a deal for something else. So I chose a Grundig reel-to-reel tape recorder. And from that uh, started uh, Radio David in my bedroom, uh, where I broadcast my one-hour program down to the kitchen to my audience of my mother, who put up with it for about six months and then got rather <laughs> fed up. <laughs> uh, and uh, so I was practicing away doing things like that until a few years later uh, I decided to, to see if I could join a hospital radio. And uh, that's when I found that there weren't very many in my area and the Marsden said, come and talk to us. And, uh, and since then, it's grown from strength to strength, and it's still there. Uh, 50, was it 51 years, 52 years nearly? Uh, it's still it's now strong. 52 years, yes. yes. Uh, and what I didn't realise when I first, uh, uh, when they first responded uh, was that it actually is a specialist cancer hospital. It's the Royal Marsden down in Sutton in Surrey, uh, which is a branch of the famous Royal Marsden in Fulham Road. Uh, so the problems of, uh, of a specialist cancer hospital doing a broadcast program there it's different from a general hospital by virtue of the fact that very often the patients uh, um, the the treatment the chemotherapy the radiotherapy can be more debilitating than the actual cancer itself so we so we approached it in a special way mm, that, I mean that, that sounds it, it, it sounds like you've really filled a gap, or in 1969, you really filled a gap in there. Because, I mean, you know as well as what I know, people who are in hospital, well, not so much nowadays, but back when you first started in 69, the, the sort of entertainment that they've got while they're in hospital would, would practically have been, have been zilch, really. Uh, I mean, nowadays, they, they've got stuff on the phones and tablets and computers and you know, bedside TV and stuff. Uh, but radio... Uh, and we, we both know this it is a great form of not only healing, but a great form of entertainment for people who are in hospital. Uh, I'm sure you'd agree with that. Absolutely, 100 percent. And you're also correct. Uh, way back in 69, it was very easy because people didn't have tablets or mobile phones. 
Uh, they had the hospital radio, which was usually uh, the equivalent of Radio 2 or Radio BBC Radio 4. Uh, they had a television on uh, uh, above uh, uh, the door in the ward. There were no alternative entertainments, which is what interested the administrator at the Royal Marsden Hospital. But we actually had, had to serve our... Uh, apprenticeship, not by going on air straight away. We presented, two of us presented a program for at least six months uh, in front of the patients in a day room. We would collect up the record requests, record them all on individual cassettes, and then come along on the night and uh, the patients would come either walking, wheelchairs, or in bed sometimes. And it was a, a fairly tough apprenticeship before we actually went on air. Well, I mean, that is like the... the in- first webcam live webcam really isn't it uh watching you do your job uh they're sort of in the flesh basically now the Absolutely. setup uh, that uh, that raised it radio marsden and back in 1969 um it must be very different to what it is now um so give us an idea of what it was like at the start um for, you know for you once you'd got that studio and everything what what uh, what sort of equipment you know were you playing about with was it just a couple of record decks or or how how did it go then Well, indeed, again, we were very, very lucky, Kev, because can you believe this nowadays? The physics department of the Royal Marsden Hospital built our first radio equipment, and they asked us what we wanted, and I said, well, a couple of turntable decks, a mixer, a microphone, and one of the the things that probably many listeners will also know that it's important if you're playing records on a, um, a radio station is something called pre-fade listening, oh, where yes. you can queue up the record off air and have it all ready to roll when you say, and here is so-and-so. And I had never heard of that, so we didn't uh, ask for that to be included, and we soon found out uh, what a mistake that was. So I came up with uh, EFL, which was ear-fade listening, where we had to... <laughs> We put our ear down to the uh, stylus on the record deck and uh, tried to queue up from there. But we literally had two decks, the mixer, uh, a Philips cassette tape recorder, uh, my old Sony reel-to-reel, which uh, we'd used in the um, day room, and uh, a couple of other bits and pieces, and frighteningly, um, an ashtray, which sounds terrible in a cancer (laughs) hospital, but this was back in 1969. (laughs) I know when I first started, which was uh, 21, I'm into my 22nd year, uh, Nottingham Hospital Radio, we had all these weird and wonderful sort of things like the reel-to-reel tapes and everything. Um, And thankfully, I never got trained on that. I never had to use the thing. Um, So, uh, But, uh, yeah, it's nice nowadays that there is so much technology around that. uh, We we can uh, make radio sound a lot more professional than probably what it was back in the 1960s. But, But then again, that's because technology came along we've learned a hell of a lot um in that so which includes broadcasting online now we have only in the last uh, couple of years gone online um you did uh, your well the station did their first broadcast online for the first time in 2009 what difference did that make to the station well uh let i need need to be clear that i i was with radio marsden for the first 22 years and then i have not been with it since because of family and work commitments <clears throat> but i have followed the uh, uh the progress and i was invited back when radio marsden celebrated its 50th birthday back in 2019 uh, one of the long-serving uh, members martin sivia 
invited me to kind of come back in again and uh, um, that's that's actually how the book came about because I had to do a uh, they asked me to do a little short speech at one point and uh, I needed to go and do a bit of research and that's when I found I had a lot of information on Radio Mars and from the early years but uh, yes going out on the landline basically means on on the uh, uh, internet means you can listen anywhere in the world which is fantastic and it, it overcomes a bit of a problem that hospital radio has nowadays with uh, probably not such great cooperation from the authorities as we would have had in the early 70s. So uh, it, it gives a lot more flexibility, 24-7 broadcasting. And, of course, with the recent pandemic, uh, hospital radios in general were able to, as I'm sure you were, remain on air with a lot of you broadcasting your programmes from home. Oh, if only that was the case. Uh, so, oh. <laughs> I, I, I've been coming in. Uh, there, I mean, obviously, there, there was a time when, you know, we weren't able to get in here because of the pandemic and everything. Um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, it, and again, it's down to that wonderful technology um, as well. And what, what I love about being online is... You can. It's like an aftercare thing as well for pe- for people who've been in and they've listened to the station um, while they've been in hospital. Then when they leave, they can still listen and they can send requests in for the nurses or, or you know for people who actually work in in the um, hospitals as well. And I think it, it's it's a wonderful thing that people can then carry on listening because not only does it sort it, it sort of keeps that connection with the hospital um, but it, it also sort of gives you know like a pat on the back to the, the people who actually present uh, and, and run the stations you know like the people at Radio Marsden like the people at Nottingham Hospital Radio um, it, it's nice to keep that that little you know, not quite cutting the apron strings uh, that's right I, I would agree with that 100% I think it's also important that Again, we were very lucky because we basically hijacked a room in the Royal Marsden Sutton, which has remained Radio Marsden's room for uh, 52 years, which technically is not belonging to the hospital radio. But that room is on the main corridor of the hospital, which a lot of hospital radios don't have that. They have to be quite far away from uh, from the main unit. Uh, so we always had an open door policy uh, of anybody who wanted to walk in, no matter whether it was the middle of a program, just come rolling in and have a chat. And uh, uh, and, and that worked well. And a lot, lot of patients, even in those days, although we hadn't got the internet, obviously, you know, they'd keep in touch or particularly because of the specialist treatment of the hospital, they were they would drop back as an outpatient or, or a bit more treatment or something. And they'd uh, come back in and see us. It's as you say. It's lovely to have that uh, that interaction between the uh, patients and get them in as guests as well. Because so many patients have so many interesting stories um, to tell. Stories that maybe you know you wouldn't hear apart from on hospital radio. Uh, Yeah, absolutely true. Um, And uh, sometimes funny things happened. Uh, about a patient and there was one occasion where the administrator asked me to drop by his office and he leant across his very uh, uh, large imposing desk and and whispered uh, um, we've got a very special patient coming into the hospital and it's very important that Radio Marsden doesn't go anywhere near him because uh, that's been, been asked and I said okay that's fine who is it and he whispered Nixon and I said, what, the President of America is here in the Royal Marsden Hospital? 
Nixon being the president at the time. Yeah. Uh, no, he said, David Nixon, the magician. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now that... Bit, well, fair that... enough. I'm not sure whether that would be very good on radio anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but that would have been a magic interview, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Um, so. <laughs> now then, Radio Moz, and uh, as uh, yeah, looking back over the history, uh, you've had some really well-known guests um, who have sort of appeared on, on the on the stage. And looking down, some of the guests: Roger Moore, John Cleese, um, and uh, you know, people like Tim Vine, Steps, Westlife, Girls Aloud, Margaret Thatcher, Tony Blair, David Cameron, Prince William, as well. My goodness, you, you attract some yep. stars. Well, that's right, and a lot of a lot of those say have not been in my time. But uh, uh, the um, Roger Moore, Roy Hudd, John Cleese's certainly were. And back in the early seventies, it was a lot easier to get contact with these kinds of stars, basically by writing a letter, as was the case, say, with John Cleese. And his secretary rang me up and and said, um, John would like to come down to. Uh, uh, the Royal Marsden at Sutton and take part in the programme, but the only problem is he doesn't drive. So uh, could you pick him up from his house in St John's Wood? So I said, yes, OK. <clears throat> and the big thing about John Cleese, he's about six foot six tall. Yeah. And at the time, I had a Hillman Avenger, which takes you back to the <laughs> early 70s. And uh, we did a lot of tests with... Um, uh, my co-presenter uh, sitting in the car with a hat on to make sure that John Cleese could get in. Um, and when I picked him up, that was fine. He, his head didn't hit the uh, roof of the car, but he had to actually put his knees literally up to his chin. <laughs> but John, John came down and did a, a super uh, program uh, live on air. And uh, on the way down, he said, as, as a star would would usually say, uh, what am I getting myself into this evening? And I'd say, we're going to do a, an interview, possibly go around the walls, go out a few prizes. He said, I don't want to do anything like kind of my silly walk. I don't like doing that. I said, nope, that's absolutely fine. He said, I need to be back at St. John's Wood by 9.30. And I thought, well, that's a bit tricky because the programme starts at 7, but OK. And we did the programme, went on the wards, and about 9 o'clock I tapped him on the shoulder and said, we need to go now, John, if you want to be back at 9.30. And he said, no, no, don't worry about that, which I think was a very clever diplomatic way of saying <clears throat> if it wasn't going well, he could get out, and if not, he stayed on. So I dropped him off at about 11 o'clock, wow. and he said that he was recording a new series of Python in a month or so's time and talked to his secretary, and we could have some tickets. And we, about 10 of us, all went up to... Uh, the BBC Television Centre, which no longer exists, but it was that round building in Shepherd's Bush. Uh, we saw the recording of the Pi of Python, and we came out, and as we're making way for the exit, John and one of his colleagues came out and headed towards us, and I thought, oh, no, what do you do? Do, do you say anything? or what? And before I could do that, he said, hello, David, did you and everyone from Radio Miles enjoy the show? <laughs> Oh, great and then numbers. he took everybody upstairs to the BBC club and bought everybody a drink and sat down with all the Radio Miles and people and had a chat. That's a true star. Fantastic. Uh, and brilliant memories for, for you lot as well at Radio Miles. And so I suppose this story and or, or many other stories like that are all included in the early years of hospital radio at the Royal Marsden. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, how difficult was it for you to actually... I suppose, limit stuff to put in the book? Um, you know, was it a case of just going through everything and sort of thinking, well, yes, I'll put that in and maybe leave this one for the next book? I think the next book has to be written by the people that have been in Radio Marsden for the last 
30 odd years. Uh, yes, it's quite difficult. There's very few books on hospital radio. I yeah. think the last one was um, published by somebody at Southampton about 20 years ago. And it's very much a log of everything they did in detail and technically detail, which I didn't want to do. I'm not a technical person, uh, as I've demonstrated by my ear ear um, pre-fade story. Um, so we, we had over the years other people who came in and improved the equipment to the extent that 52 years on when I went back for the 50th anniversary, I couldn't believe what was in there or how on earth it all worked. I wouldn't be able to do this nowadays. Uh, it, it was absolutely amazing. So um, I wanted to make the book interesting, like some of the interviews have been talking about, and not particularly detailed on technical aspects of equipment or really the 130 or odd people that were members. So I've listed every member I could think of and I think I got most of them in the back of the book but other than that it goes through you know why Radio Marsden exists the very early years how terrible we were how people came along to improve it and joined and the the interviews fundraising um, and our link up with the Royal Marsden at Fulham Road which as I say Royal Marsden Sutton is the technically sister hospital of the main one at Fulham Road and we eventually buy not by internet but by a a post office landline um, linked the two hospitals together and had teams up at Fulham Road as well as at Sutton and co-produced programs together, which worked very, very well. That that was good. So, um, yes, you could have put more in, but um, I think less is better. So I, I, I just hope people enjoy it. Always leave them wanting more. Uh, that, that's my that's motto. Um, so the book is available through Amazon. As I mentioned, the paperback is seven ninety nine. The Kindle edition is two ninety nine. And all profits from the sale of the book uh, will be donated to Radio Marsden and the Royal Marsden Hospital Cancer Fund as well. Um, so, so thank you uh, for, for first of all writing the book and compiling all the stories, uh, and thanks for coming on and telling us all about the early years of Radio Marsden and what uh, hospital radio. Um, it, it is like from the inside. Um, so, uh, what, what, I mean, what do you do nowadays to, to fill your time up, David? Uh, what do I do? Well, I'm 73 now, so I'm pretty ancient. I go out on my bike rides, and during the lockdown, I purchased a 12-string guitar to go with the 6-string guitar that I've had for 50-odd years. And I'm not making a lot of progress on the 6-string. <laughs> I can only still only play about three tunes but the 12 string i'm still batting away trying to tune it so <laughs> maybe next then it's the album the david pesher album that's what we can look forward to next yeah. <laughs> david. Yeah, how to how, how to tune a, a 12 string back uh, yeah, uh, backing uh, of the vocals of the disturbed <laughs> well i tell you good luck with that one so david thank you so much for taking time out this morning uh, to tell us all about it um i i, I know it is it's going to sell really well because people are always interested in behind the scenes stories um, of of anything basically so and uh, and I'm sure that uh, that fills that that little urge for people to find out more about hospital radio so have a lovely rest of the day um, and uh, and when when you get the album out let us have a copy and we'll play it up here as well. <laughs> we'll do, Kevin. You're all doing a super job down there and uh, I think you're about time you put pen to paper because you've done over twenty years now so uh, let's have some competition on the book front. <laughs> yeah, you know what that might be an idea. I've got some stories to tell so. <laughs> <laughs> Won't well, be as good as this nice one. To but to you. you too, David. Take care now. Bye bye. 
Nottingham Hospital Radio is a registered charity. Want to be a part of it? Well, find out how you can help by donating, by sponsoring, or even joining us. Just visit nhradio.org.uk.